Hey, everybody. <laughs> it's so weird. It's live. We're live. We're live. Yes. Everybody Hi. Everybody can see us. Um, well, welcome to 2021, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this is only the second time I think that we've done this like live in this particular way over the last couple months. So it's we're still gonna, kind of getting used to all of that stuff and everything. I want to say hello to everybody who's joining in and uh, just a quick special hello to anybody who might happen to be new or joining us or visiting us from uh, wherever you've come from. You've just uh, figured out that there's a Spark Church in Palo Alto. You want to check out their services. We want to extend a special welcome to you. Uh, We have a starter pack if you're interested in learning more about the congregation. And of course, please don't hesitate to reach out to us if you have any questions about who we are. What's your name? Oh, (laughs) my name is Kevin and this is Danielle. We're the pastors at Spark, some of them, yeah. some of the pastors. And uh, hello to everybody who's already uh, been online. So like uh, Regina and Adol and Tony, um, and li- li- this is lots of people. They can see Linda, can Christine. See. I know it's. I just I want them to know <laughs> that we can see them, and it's just wonderful that everybody is fantastic and wonderful and engaging and um and truly honestly every single time there's an amazing ministry that happens in the you know on online youtube comments so yay amber hi amber from new york amber's here pastor marcus (laughs) monica audrey um arlette so anyway we everybody we see you and we're so grateful that you all are here um so what are we doing in this particular service so um as we uh, get ready to revolve around the sun yet one more time, we thought we'd just take a few moments to stop and reflect and um, ponder some thoughts, um, some considerations, some ideas. Um, and then, so Danielle has some thoughts and ideas. I have some thoughts and ideas. And we're just going to banter a little bit. A lot of times sermons have a real linear, systematic and kind of approach and aim. And I think today is going to be a little bit of a hodgepodge mixed bag of some thoughts and reflections I think that we have that will hopefully be helpful for all of us as a community. Um, we'll consider it a potpourri of perspective, uh, perspectives, I suppose. Um, and then... Hey, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to jump in and say, because typically whenever we have our New Year's service or like the first Sunday after the New Year's, we do a state of the church right. kind of talk. And so that's kind of what we're trying to do today, but it's we decided to do like live and a little chill and, and reflections with you all because it's still a pandemic. It's still a pandemic. <laughs> so we'd like to share a couple of those thoughts and reflections. Um, we have a highlight video that we'd like to show you just to give you just some fun reflections, but also some meaningful um reflections from this past year of how this community, the Spark community, all of you participated in our gatherings and in our ministry and in small groups and continued the work of Spark. Um, And then we'd like for you all, as many of you are already doing online, Regina, so happy to see this is live. Happy 2021. (laughs) Friends from the Bradfords, Tony, it's so lifelike, LOL, says Tony. Um, So what we'd like for you all to do is actually share your thoughts, reflections, um, and then maybe even questions. So we'll do maybe a little bit of a mini AMA, ask me anything kind of thing. If you have any questions for Danielle and I as we head into 2021. (laughs) So does that sound like a good plan? Yeah, I mean, basically, we just really miss all of you and we miss being in the room with each one of you. So this is a little bit of a taste of that hopefully as we're together and we reflect and revisit and also look forward to um, hopefully what's to come yeah so um 
Danielle, you want to start um, some of your thoughts and reflections, and that kind of actually leads into another element that we are wanting to do, which is give you just a very brief preview of what is coming very quickly in 2021. We have some things that we're excited about coming. So do you want to start? Sure. So um, one thing that I think in our starting we'd like to reflect on is that as we all kind of look back at 2020, I think there's two primary events that although multiple ones um, within our sort of church life and global life and national life that probably come to mind. So one would be coronavirus like this time last year. Maybe a few of us were paying attention uh, to what was happening in China. Um, Our daughter was, our oldest daughter was in China at that time. So I was frantically kind of paying attention to news. And I remember a few conversations around the coffee hour at Spark, uh, you know, around this time last year about, hey, we're a little bit concerned about what might be coming um, in terms of a pandemic. Um, And yeah, I don't think any of us really knew, right? Um, And so when we think about 2020, we think about COVID-19. And we think about the lives lost. Uh, we think, uh, as Stacy so eloquently prayed, about um, those lives impacted um, in all sorts of various ways and are continuing to be impacted through this. Um, issues of justice surrounding it all. Um, personal pain for so many in our community, as well as um, communal pain and national pain and go- global pain. And we also think, I'm sure, as, as Adel prayed and, and reminded us so well, of all the hope and, and the ways in which people showed up for one another and cared for one another and loved one another. I, I know this is sort of a, a silly story, but maybe you heard it. It was somewhere in the Midwest a few weeks ago. One person at a Dairy Queen paid for the person behind them, and that went on for over two days. And it's just a reminder that you know there's been a lot of people trying to help and a lot of people who are showing their best selves in all of those different ways. And that's been encouraging. But I think another thing that we probably reflect on and think on has been um, the murder of George Floyd, um, which for many of us, unfortunately, was not shocking. Um, And we were aware and continued, had been protesting and continued protesting, but also for so many in our in our community, as well as in the larger community, even globally, um, we started seeing people awaken to voices and cries of deep hurt and suffering and pain. And you all, uh, so many of you, particularly um, Rajesh and Yazi and Pastor Mark and Stacy and others, uh, took the lead in really gathering our community in terms of a sort of silent protest and witness to this pain and did that every single Sunday um, from May on up until just um, after the election. And so we're grateful for the ways in which our community has shown up and continued to uh, witness that and give voice to that and extend and practice that value of reconciliation and and anti-racism and justice as well as rescue within um, the pandemic. I mean, Sparks raised... Uh, sparkers have raised tons of money um, to support those who are suffering as a result of the mm-hmm. pandemic and our time. So we're, we're grateful um, while also continuing to hold that tension of, of some of the challenges and the pain. One of the things that I'm deeply grateful for as I reflect back on 2020 and what we've been doing here at Spark and what um, all of you and Pastor Kevin have been orchestrating with a lot of great effort every every week. Um, it's been how much members of our community have participated in the leadership of the services. That's huge. So from huge. You know, worship and um, singing and instruments and leadership on that to prayer to welcome to dance to hosting all of that has been so 
deeply moving. And for those of you who don't know or haven't been part of Spark for a very for a long time, when we started this eight years ago-ish now. Um, <laughs> over eight. Over eight. Yeah. So it seems like a, a oh, <laughs> we have a visitor. Um, <laughs> when we started this some time ago, we, one of my hopes was to continue to have our leadership be a bit flat um, so that it wouldn't be ever a Pastor Danielle and Pastor Kevin show, but also be a community that was marked by the shape of, of all those that came and invested and, um, and put in time and effort. And we never, ever wanted it to be, you know, about personalities within the church, but to actually be about the church. And yet that's, that can sound like a lofty goal or, or something you really want to have happen, but it's hard to do. It takes some time and effort to do it. Um, people sometimes are a little bit uncomfortable standing up front, all those kinds of things. And yet somehow 2020 has made all of that come to pass. You brought it to fruition. You guys jumped in maybe, and there were kids that maybe didn't feel comfortable being up in front of the whole church community on a Sunday afternoon, but they are okay leading worship in front of their TV screen or their camera with their families. And it's just been such a deep gift to see that hope um, come to pass, um, even through challenging times. I'm not yeah. sure that that would have happened for certain, not in the same accelerated way, um, just that necessity brought to us. And so deeply grateful for all of that. You know, uh, I completely agree. And we didn't, we weren't exactly quite sure how the order. Can we play the highlight video? Then, we can play the based highlight upon video. Yeah, and then said, I'd like to talk about. And then you share on my celebratory on your celebratory hopeful okay, moment. Friends. Yeah, please. Uh, we put together a, just a very brief five-minute, extremely short uh, reflection highlight video of some of the things that have happened over the past uh, several months that we hope that you enjoy. Uh, but it's also hopefully a reflection of everything that Danielle actually just mentioned. So we hope that you enjoy this as a celebration and a commemoration to this amazing community. Here we go. Okay, we are now officially going live. I don't think it's going to broadcast. So it's on, but it's not. Oh, wait a second. I think we're live, actually. <laughs> but I don't have Junior... Why don't I have Junior? Why is my phone? Oh, hold on. Oh, there it is. So you're, you're saying the, the keyboard drops out, right? Spark! Hey! Hi, everybody. Welcome hey. to Spark's live stream. Because you called my name and I ran out of that grave. I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you. Which you, in turn, received. In which also you stand through which you also are uh, being saved and this is probably the only service we'll ever be able to host while not wearing pants just kidding, we're wearing pants, we promise. <laughs> As yourself. I want to sing this one for the ending. Great. Sing it.
obviously this week is incredibly difficult and hard um, with the mass amounts of life lost to COVID-19, to the um, killing of George Floyd this week. And we know the pain and the suffering that our brothers and sisters are going through. We're also going to spend some time lamenting and grieving and crying together and being angry together and expressing our clarion call for justice uh, together. Why do you allow such loss? Why the tragedy all around us? We look for reasons and for blame. In truth, Lord, we know that you don't cause tragedy, but you're there to stand with us through all of these things. Our Father in heaven, blessed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sparkers who have been protesting every Sunday, and we wanted to make sure that that ex uh, invitation was extended to every single one of you. And we have our two very first profiles that are published on the Sparkers Connect Facebook page, Sammy Glenn and Deb Witherspoon. And with all your soul, and with all your might, I want to be with the voices that stood for justice for the last 2,000 years. I want to be the voices that stood up against corruption within the church, within our nation, within the world. I want to stand with those voices. I want to be in the Father's house. Hi, Spark Church. And I want to say thank you so much for partnering with us. When we stand in your And that's exactly what I found when we were in the sparking lot last Sunday, was I was looking at everybody's eyes. Welcome, baby Alexander. We are so glad you're here. It's ultimately a testament to the gospel, so that anybody who loves the God revealed in the scriptures might find in the African-American testimony something that they can identify with. First thing I would say to the people watching is that we cannot make the world a better place without you. I love the Sparkers. I love being part of such a rich and diverse community of caring, loving people who, it's so simple. We just want to follow Jesus. And there seems to be a simple peace in knowing that I'm a part of a community that's enduring this together. Spark will continue this matching campaign through December 31st. I like this candle for God's love, which brings light and hope to the darkest places in our lives and in the world. I'm so moved by yeah. that very short representation that doesn't even include the Austin Channing Brown book club that met, the Christmas service, the New Year's Eve party, the small groups, the many social distance gatherings that you all had, the thousands of conversations that you have advanced. Um, we want to say thank you so much to all of you for being 
this kind of church. Yeah. It truly is an amazing experience. And I know we are just so tremendously blessed. So everything that Danielle said represented, or at least a, a little bit of a glimpse of that in a five minute video. It was really hard for me not to make that video like 30 minutes long, yeah. full of all sorts of amazing uh, images and pictures and representations of the Spark community. Wow. So we hope that you enjoyed that. And, and even the enlargement of our Spark teaching team with Sydney yes, and all yeah. of the other teachers, all of you here at Spark who've contributed to worship of God through music, through community, through study, through justice, through worshiping with your feet and your hands, and through worshiping through teaching. I mean, all of these things together are ways in which we serve and yeah. serve one another and serve our God. So yeah. we're just super grateful for that. Yeah. So Danielle's got yes. some thoughts to, to share and reflect. and um. Okay. So I'm reading this book by Walter Brueggemann, um, and it's the uh, 40th anniversary edition of his book, The Prophetic Imagination. And uh, that this was in like 2000. So it's now like 60 years of this book. And, and in the discussion, it's... It's a fantastic book, and I'm going to be, I'm reading it because I'm going to be teaching a class, here's a little hint, in a few weeks um, with past, with Rabbi Ari, I'm the pastor, <laughs> he's the rabbi, yeah. with Rabbi Ari, um, uh, he's the retired rabbi at Eitz Chaim and a good friend of mine, and we're going to be teaching a class on the prophets and on prophecy and hearing those voices today. It's just a very short, like, four-week class, and all of you invited. So, along with Eitz Chaim, it'll be Jews and Christians together studying our shared, some of our shared texts and how we think about prophecy and these these voice of the prophets. So, in the, in preparation of that, I've been reading this book, and one of the things Brueggemann suggests um, at the beginning is he's having this conversation about prophetic imagination, and he talks about what's necessary for a community to be a community um, that brings about a prophetic voice or cry. And he talks about the reality that we're not in the time of the kingdom of Israel, right? So we're not in a system where if a prophetic voice rises up, the powers want to listen to that voice. We Nobody cares what anybody really thinks. So how do we become still a community or a sub-community rather within a dominant culture? How do we become a church known for that prophetic voice? So Brueggemann suggests the following, and I, I have notes because I, I want to make sure I get his words right, and it was super fascinating to me. He says that the following characteristics are present within these communities, um, within the dominant culture, these sub-communities that bring about prophetic voice and cry. That there needs to be a long available memory that sinks the present generation deep into an identifiable past that's available in story and in song. So... For us at Spark, uh, obviously we work very hard on trying to read and study our history, to teach the Bible in light of that historical cultural context because it sinks us into that story further. We have taught for years, I've taught for years and over a decade now on the grand narrative, our garden to garden class that really tries to help us see over and over and over again that overarching narrative of God. So that's part of what you have to have a community that's grounded in story um, and song. It has to be shared, right? So we haven't made that up. That's our story from Genesis through Revelation and how we continue to teach and, and sink into that grand narrative. Um, two, he said there needs to be an available, expressed sense of pain that's owned and recited by the community and is publicly affirmed by the community as a real social fact. And that the community understands that that pain, that injustice is real and unbearable. 
and it needs to change. And so this is, I think, something we would qualify as um, affirmation of experience, whether it's your own experience or the experience of others, um, affirmation and an understanding of, of witnessing that experience and saying, yes, that's true. And I see that that is happening to you. It's allyship, all of those types of things. When we see something like is some injustice happening? And there's so many things we can think about um, within Spark where we have tried to respond and react to that. Well, let me just say that I debated yeah. for a while of whether or not to include Pamela's prayer back in mm. June in the highlight video. And ultimately, it's this point is okay. th there is a temptation within certain Christian circles to make everything that we do publicly okay, positive, wonderful. But the breadth of our prophetic tradition and the reality of our lived experience is part uh, has pain and suffering and tragedy included and part of the responsibility of the community the prophetic community is yeah. to platform that and say a that's normal b we engage it together as a community and i think there's far too much christianity that doesn't like pain and doesn't like suffering and doesn't like to view it um, because it seems antithetical to whatever our, you know, Jesus experience is supposed to be. But we, <laughs> we completely forget that we serve, follow, uh, worship a Jesus that suffered on a cross. And that cross is uh, central to the story that we tell. Suffered on, on the cross as a result of the dominant culture's torture yes. and abuse yes. of power. So yes. it's not only suffering, it's suffering at the hands of the powers of the day. And I think that when, when I think of this um, available, expressed sense of pain um, and the public affirmation of real hurt and that that hurt is unbearable and must change, I think of the ways in which Spark has... Um, jumped up to stand next to Muslim brothers and sisters as they've been refugees from the Syria um, war, from um, from the Muslim ban, uh, for brothers and sisters that are, are refugees at our border or experiencing just horrific um, detention situations or those who are incarcerated in, in continued unjust systems or those who have seen um, our brothers and sisters and members of our own community and our own families who've seen such injustices as a result of systemic racism and white supremacy within our own nation. And so when we say, that's not okay, you're not crazy, that is a real thing that's happening and it's, it's unbearable, then the prophetic tradition can continue to rise up. And of course, that is all seated still in that grand narrative, right? Where we come from a, a God who's rescued us out of slavery in Egypt. And, and the third point that Brigham says is that the community then, and this is key, because you can't just sit only with the suffering and the pain, has to have an active practice of hope. Um, and this is a community that knows the promises that God has given, knows that those promises have yet to be kept, but also knows that there are promises that have been kept, that that narrative has moved forward, right? Um, and that the promises that haven't yet been kept, that those promises stand in judgment on the present powers and principalities and abuses that are there. So this goes back to that grand narrative. Brueggemann then says that this community, this subculture of community, in order to have this prophetic voice, has to have an effective mode of discourse right? Um, that's cherished across the generations. You guys, this is called liturgy. Um, this is why we do 
communion every week. It's why we do the Lord's Prayer every week, the number one commandment every week. It's why we continue to focus in on the way of Jesus, the Beatitudes, how Jesus, so why we teach the same stories every Easter and every Christmas, because this has to be the effective way, the mode of discourse in which we talk about how new life is possible. It's why we continue to do baptisms, all of these things. Um, and so when I was reading through this page in Brueggemann's book, I kept thinking, this sounds like Spark. <laughs> and what I was really grateful for is that he continued and said that the way that this like shared narrative works and the shared set of promises and a shared way of speaking or of praying that liturgy um, and the shared discourse regarding memory, hope, and pain, those things keep healthy human life available in the face of reality like COVID-19 and injustices like what we saw with George Floyd and continue to see with so many brothers and sisters across America and throughout our history. That shared narrative provides space then for resistance. Hmm. It provides space for hope. It provides space for us to continue to continue to hold the pain and continue to hold the hope, to continue to resist, to hold one another accountable in that space and to be part of a community that does this together. And then he says that this, all of this requires deep pastoral leadership. And I would say at this point, this is why it's been so brilliant and great that this whole amazing community has not been just about me and Kevin, that the people who stepped forward in our community and in our church this last year, you've done so providing this deep push for leadership. Um, this You've done so providing us this model. You've led me, you've led Kevin, um, you've led our community. And that we together hold this, um, this church leadership together holds this, gives our church this intentional ecclesial focus and creates within Spark that we are now a subcommittee with evangelical will for public engagement. And evangelical will is not the, you know, evangelical church that's sometimes like that, the other thing we're talking about, but a message to spread the good news that that suffering is happening, it is not okay, and we are going to move forward towards justice and hope. So anyway, I just wanted to let you know that as I was reading this passage um, in this book, all I kept thinking about was you all and how deeply grateful I am that you are a community that holds for prophetic imagination and pursuit of justice. So thank you. That's my reflection for 2020. Well done. Um, you didn't know it, but you made it into a book that was written 60 <laughs> years ago. I'm really grateful for you. I love it too. Uh, friends, please uh, don't hesitate to keep sharing your comments. I appreciate, uh, you know, Marcus and Nicole are sharing some comments on what Danielle is is uh, sharing there, Pamela, as well. So thank you so much. And then if you have any questions for us, um, I'm just going to share very briefly some of the questions that I I have, and then we'll, we'll take some of your questions and re read some of your reflections. Based upon what Danielle has just shared, um, I actually have three questions that I feel like are really important that we should all be considering. Question number one, what are the stories that we are living by and the stories that we are telling each other? And we didn't coordinate this, by the way. <laughs> What wanna, are the stories? Do you want to brag about how we're... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying, I, I mean, I, I like it when there's there's uh, Synergy. coherence. Synergy. Yeah, the Spirit. partnership. Holy Spirit. No. <laughs> Sparks the divine. Yeah. <laughs> um, there is a consistent narrative of fear and anger and scarcity that is always right there at the edge to captivate our attentions. But then there's another story of 
love and possibility and abundance and prophetic imagination. And so um, one of the things that I appreciated when Danielle was uh, sharing some of this is all of this is ultimately grounded. I mean, there's questions, big, big questions to be asked about the vaccine and about how to do Zoom school and what are we learning and all that kind of stuff in, in this particular time. But the biggest question for me is like, what is what really is the story that we're living by? And as followers of Jesus, we live by a much bigger story than oftentimes the lower stories that uh, are easily grabbed onto, such as fear and anxiety and worry. And it is, um, I think, my hope that the story that we tell through our church, that you all have been telling through your action, um, that you all have been living through prophetically, is really the story of God. It's not the story of a vaccine. It's not the story of racism. It's not the story of individuals. It's the story of what God is doing in this world. And we are doing everything that we can to ensure that the sub-stories underneath all that live into that grand narrative that Daniel was um, mentioning through mentioning previously. And then, of course, what is that story embodied by? It's ultimately embodied by the person of Jesus. He is this ultimate embodiment, the incarnation of the story that we are trying to live. And it is, um, this goes back to a message that we did many, many years ago. It's the best story that there is. I, um, some people have called it the greatest story ever told. Uh, I don't know if that reaches fully to the depth of the brilliance of this particular story, but um how Jesus interpreted, lived, and ministered in and through his life, through the long narrative of our biblical tradition, our faith tradition, is stunning and has radically transformed all of Western civilization. So uh, we, we can get into that at another time. But what story are we living by? It is our hope, my hope, that the Spark community lives by the story that God um, has been writing ever since the very beginning. And then I'll skip over the second question. The last question is ultimately, um, what will we become in and through all of this? What will we become? I think um, I think I have heard the phrase, when will we get back to normal? Thousands of times over the last several months. Uh, in your own head? In my own head, <laughs> yeah. Well, and and even, I think, I think was it Regina who just commented uh, way back that, you know, when the whole pandemic started, we, we thought maybe four weeks? I don't know, we're going to do this for six weeks or right. something like that. Um, so the question of what will we become is oftentimes shadowed by this, I just want to get back to normal, or I just want to get back to the way things were, or I just want to get back to some level of comfort. And there's a part of me that wants to propose that we resist whatever that normal is. Because here's the reality, and I love it because it's based upon what Danielle was saying. Normal, for many people in this country, in our world, wasn't great. Normal was not fantastic. Normal was not the full redemption of God that we are pursuing. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to get back to normal, um, that's going to mean continued pain and suffering uh, and the plight of all the isms that plague us, the disdain for humanity. And so the question of who will we become, I think, needs to be overtaken, not by when will we finally get back to normal, we can go shopping and have comfort and, and stuff like that, um, normal uh, doesn't exist for followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus pursue 
a continual advancement of God's kingdom and the prophetic voice in and through whatever everyone else calls normal. Because there's some people that have it normal and everything's great, and then there's suffering and pain on uh, as a result of some of that. Climate is one of the issues that I've been thinking about and pondering about most significantly recently. Um, it's becoming more and more of an issue, obviously. Many of you are aware of that. And one of the most brilliant ways of thinking about climate is, uh, I should, probably should have brought the book down, is a, a book you know, by Ayanna um, Elizabeth Johnson and Catherine Wilkinson, uh, all, all We Can Say, where they talk about merging and melding and keeping together the advancement, the technological advancements that we need to do to mitigate climate change with the justice issues and ensuring that people of color and Poor people and people of a lower class are no longer left behind as we continue to make these advancements towards mitigating the worst um, damages that we're doing to our planet. That, to me, mm. is the image of God, is to ensure that we are caring for creation um, and caring for every single person that is affected by that. That's obviously a, a talk for another particular time. Based upon the question, what will we become I would just like to propose to us that we're not going back to whatever normal is. We have to constantly move forward and advance and to pursue what Jesus was attempting to pursue into this world, to pursue the way. Um, because there was a normal in Jesus' day. Rome was normal. Rome was normal. That's how things worked. Mm -hmm. And Jesus came along and said, that's not normal. When there's people suffering and when there's... Um, a disparity of wealth such that people are can't eat and there's enslavement that's not normal so what story are we living by we're living by the jesus story and what will we become our hope is that we will continually become people that go far beyond whatever normal might happen to be defined as in that particular moment in time so there to you my friends are some of my reflections and i think that is also central to who spark is and who all of you are because even in through prior to 2020 uh spark and and many of us have constantly been asking the question wait a second how we are treating refugees and migrants to this country that's not normal yeah. how we're incarcerating people that's not normal yeah. So we want to continually marginalizing pursue. LGBTQ plus community, marginalizing um, so many within our who just don't fit what everyone else has decided to determine was normal at that time. Right. We are trying and seeking out to be this way of Jesus, which continues to make sure that all are welcome at the table, that there's room for everybody in this space. Um, I also want to just say that when I was reading Brugman's book, which is 60 years old, I was thinking to myself, um, spark isn't new there we're not we're not weird everything else is weird <laughs> we're trying we've been trying this way of jesus for a long time and we're still trying to pursue that way and and when we set ourselves in the grand narrative of we're not outliers we're part of this beautiful jesus tradition and also the israelite tradition that went f before that that created the Jesus tradition and all of that together, we're part of those stories. And, and we want to continue to see ourselves um, as just a spark, not we didn't start the fire. It's always been burning since the world's been turning. <laughs> we're just that spark and we'll continue to try to shine that light for, 
for people around us um, and for ourselves in as we continue to pursue Jesus. Yeah. Well, do you guys have any questions? I, uh, there was one question maybe that we can uh, address really quickly. I think uh, Arlette was asking, what is Garden to Garden? Real so, quick. Garden to Garden is a class that I've been teaching for a decade now that um, you read through the Bible in five months. So it's about 10 to, 10 to 11 chapters a day, read or listen, um, for six days a week for five months, a 20-week program. And then by the end, you have gone from Genesis through Revelation chronologically. Um, so it's not like you can just sort of pick up and read necessarily from cover to cover. And then every week, um, there's a daily devotional with some explanation for the different passages that we've read that we've created as well as some resources. I've created as well as some resources um, and the Royal We. And then um, we also... Um, and then I teach uh, once a week on that. So we've done that so many times, um, which is beautiful and wonderful that I didn't know if everybody really wants to do it again. Um, and last year we did offer it in January and then we had to stop in the middle and just go to full online, which worked as well. But if there's enough interest, there's nothing saying we can't start it right now. So happy to do that. We do have two other opportunities coming up that will be midweek learning opportunities and one is going to be the prophets class with me and Ari um, for the next it'll be between like mid mid January I think it starts uh, the the Tuesday after Martin Luther King Jr. Day um, which is appropriate um, and so it'll go for about four weeks um, and then we also have a midweek small group that's starting up in addition to any other groups you're part of through Spark um, and that small group's going to be talking about our upcoming series and having those discussions but I guess you know we can just put it out in the email and if you guys want to do Garden to Garden I'm happy to to do that again it'll be it would be zoomed online um karen the name of the book is entitled all we can save truth courage and solutions for the climate crisis it is a a collection of a whole bunch of essays all women who are on the front lines of climate change uh, many minority voice voices uh, people of color indigenous voices and there's even a discussion one of my favorite essays in here on the topic of uh, mental health which is connected to climate change and a twist in how we think about mental health within the context of it. I, it's fantastic. I'm, I'm going to put my notes up on my blog, hopefully uh, sometime soon. Uh, Rajesh asked, uh, question. yeah, that fantastic question. How is the church doing financially? Back in 2019, Spark was working on renewing its vision mission. Is that on hold? Uh, financially, the church is doing fine. The supporters, the financial supporters of Spark have been incredibly generous. And so we have zero worries or concerns. Uh, we're working on the year-end books and we'll be getting that report out to the board and uh, we'll be working through all that. But the short answer, Rajesh, is we're doing fantastic. We are deeply grateful. I'm going to try to write up before January 31st a nice uh, letter, uh, a very mini report for all of the financial supporters of Spark. As for, oh. Oh, and I just say, um, Sorry, you were going to answer. I was going to answer the next question. Oh, back in 2019, uh, Spark was working on a renewed yep. vision. Is that on hold? So we actually had some different things, funnily enough, that we were kind of thinking we might do in this upcoming year. And I think our last meeting where we were discussing all these things was right before the shutdown in March, where we were having like a board and uh, pastoral teaching team discussion. And one of the things we talked about is like, is does Spark need a building? <laughs> We're really glad we don't have one right now. <laughs> um, all of those different kinds of things. So yeah, essentially things are um, holding steady while uh, it's still continuing to 
to continue in the prophetic imagination and the pursuit of our five core values and the things that we're doing. But yes, for right now, I think we're at, at a hold. Um, would you say like? Yeah, I, I think part of the assumptions of a strategic plan were pre-COVID-19 assumptions. And because all of that is now completely different, um, we haven't really thought and architected. And especially, again, back to Regina's comment, we thought we were going to do this for six weeks, eight weeks, and then be yeah. back to normal and uh, be back to normal there. I even said it again. See how it <laughs> creeps in. Um, so, uh, so, so the, yeah, the, the short answer is it's definitely on hold. I'm hoping that now that we're hitting 2021 and um, we will see how the vaccination roll roll out um, happens uh, there's obviously a lot of things to think about with that um, it, i think it's important for organizations like ours to have a communicated uh, strategic plan tell the people where we're going what we're doing why we're doing it um, and for the most part m most of you actually are on board we have our mission which is very clear we have our values which are very clear we have all of that explained and as I mentioned I think in a service one or two weeks ago incarnated in all of you it's been cr pretty amazing and now we are asking the question of like staffing and building and ministries and stuff like that uh, and where do we go from here is God calling us to do something beyond that so anyway that's i will say um one of the things that we talked about at the very beginning of starting spark um is i kept using the phrase slow church we want like a like slow food movement we wanted a slow church movement um, and we wanted to be able to sit down and have like a very good meal all together and so spark just so you know we're, we're not quick adapters to anything as you know we're like eight years in we still don't have a permanent building the things that are typical i'm not sure that we ever will our relationship with eights claim is continuing to flourish in spite of our you know bubbles and distance right now uh, we have had uh, rabbi Chaim from eights as well as the executive director ellen and members of eights have reached out to spark and said we continue want to work together do racial justice work together they're trying to um, continue to learn as well um, and they're very excited to partner with us and continue to have that shared space so so much of where we're at or what we would thought about within maybe some possible strategic moves. Um, I think we're just settling, continuing to try to um, deepen our roots within our current connections and community and continued uh, ways to try to um, expand our our love for neighbor um, in those ways. So we'll continue to work on issues of, of racial justice um, and hopefully do that within the context of, of multi-faith work and specifically within our the Jewish-Christian community relationship between Eitz Chaim and Spark Church. Yeah. We'll uh, transition to communion. Uh, so if you have your elements and would like to partake um, of communion with us, we will do that in uh, just a moment. I want to acknowledge uh, Helen. Helen's comment. When some of us say normal, we mean when do we get to meet in person again and hug again? That is the normal I am looking for. I just want to acknowledge um, that that is... Uh, I th thank you, Helen, for your, your comment, because that is something that is central to you know who we are and how we gather as a people. So thank you, Helen, for, for sharing that. Um, uh, Marcus just mentioned, are we looking to have more immediate, intermediate, interpersonal social distance gatherings in regard to sparking lots? Of course, this would... Uh, align with local county orders. And I think that's exactly correct. Um, we're paying close attention to the county orders and doing our best to try to um, ensure that we are, uh, A, in conformity. Uh, we, we, we're not 
looking to violate any particular laws. Um, and then, of course, uh, we want to be safe. And so we'll constantly be taking that into consideration as we look to um, continue to do those particular things. And also I'll say that there, I think, I believe right now that it is permitted for us to have a gathering outdoors together and that's still permitted like freedom of speech and freedom of religion. So that is, but but we are not choosing to do that. That is a board wide and um, teaching team spark leadership decision um, for a few reasons. One, we want to be as safe as possible. And we also um, have found ways to continue to meet online. Um, and we are, we're here for you. We've had our, our pastors connect button up and some of you have taken advantage of that and we want to mm. continue yeah. to have you guys do that so we we want to find the ways that are safest um and um but still maintain those personal connections uh somebody said to me recently i feel like i have to be in crisis to call the pastor and we just like to say <laughs> no please um i deeply miss all of you don't you don't have to be in crisis to call the pastor you you can call and, and, and we can ha- set up that chat we can make those appointments together um and also, we want to say that one of the things that Spark Board met recently online to have these conversations, and, and one of the things we said was, do we meet when the vaccine has been given to those of us who maybe who are privileged to get it, but those who are most marginalized have not yet received it? How do we hold those things in tension? And so we'll be continuing to ask all those questions. Um, what is um, best practices in sharing the, the love of Jesus for our community at large? Uh, to answer your question, Regina, yes, we are absolutely talking about uh, continuing online services even once things, uh, um, once we're able to meet back in the room. The logistics of that, we're, plans are already uh, in play, and the philosophy behind that is what's most important. We can share more about that um, in the weeks and months to come. So just want to make sure that you know that. <laughs> Friends, uh, if you have some elements, so uh, we encourage you to take those. And this is something that we get to do together as a family. And in the midst of all of this, the prophetic imagination, the stories that we tell, the question of who we are becoming is symbolized and centralized in this act that we do every single week for in partaking of communion together, the body and the blood of Christ as symbols. We are telling the story once again. We are enacting and embracing a shared narrative. We are embracing once again a public sense of pain, but also reaching towards that grand hope of what God is doing in this world. When we take the body and the blood of Christ, we are saying that the torture of the cross did not have the last word and the injustice of that moment, that that's not the victory, that the victory, this is prophetic imagination. This is God's prophetic imagination we participate in. And when we continue to commune together, something really special is happening. We're not only taking this moment individually, we're taking it together as a spark community. And we together are united in that moment with everyone who's done this before for the last 2000 years, for all that will do it to come, and we are practicing, rehearsing for the time we'll be back together again to do it and rehearsing for the time in the kingdom to come when we will do it together. So let's let this moment be holy and sacred and precious as you've grabbed your elements, the bread and the juice or the wine. Um, and we come together to remember and to rehearse and to also be in this moment with Christ and with one another. We'll take communion together. Junior will lead us in a closing song and then I'll be back with some announcements. For in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread, blessed, and broke it, 
giving it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them saying, drink this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.